We have to trust the writers. That's all we can do. We can rewrite it. We can have our own headcanon. And I love that so much. But you got to trust them to some degree. And like I said, I think this episode was starting to make sense of those greater tie-ins that we need to develop the universe. They're figuring it out. It's going to be awesome. Dude, there was so much Mandalorian cool stuff in here. The Western tropes, dude. The space battles, battles on the ground. Y-Wings! Y-Wings and Zeb. And you're complaining about it, dude. <laughs> Krypton to Alderaan. I'm Joey, your Star Wars lover, and with me is Royish Good Looks. Hello, podcast. Hello, Joey. Hello, and we're the podcast that analyzes nerdy pop culture stuff, but it's mostly Star Wars. And this episode, we'll be discussing The Mandalorian Chapter 21, The Pirate. But first, we have had lots more views and subscribers on YouTube, and we really appreciate it. If you'd like to get in on the conversation, consider subscribing to us on YouTube and leaving a comment to keep up with all our Star Wars stuff. Unfortunately, this is the last week of The Bad Batch, but we've still got a few more episodes of Mandalorian that we'll be talking about in the upcoming weeks. Ring that bell so you don't miss out on much. You could also find us on social media anywhere. Just search Krypton to Alderaan. Thank you, everyone, for your support. That's all of that. And let's talk about the pirates. All right, Royce, this is the official synopsis for The Mandalorian Chapter 21, The Pirate. The people of Navarro need protection from rampant pirate attacks. Short and sweet. I don't know about rampant. It was really just like one. But you know what? I don't mean to start off on a down Already. Let's Already with it. <laughs> you know, I thought the opening of this episode was very interesting, especially given the conversations that we've had about the Coruscant episode. What did you think of going straight into two plot lines without the Mandalorian involved in pretty much either. Well, come on. You knew that when Grief Cargo was like, I'm going to need to call in backup, he was talking to the pirates about, hey, we're under the New Republic protection. So you're like, oh, he's going to call the New Republic. Maybe they'll show up. And if they don't, of course, he's going to call Mando. He had already said, you'd make a pretty great law, man. It's kind of surprising that Grief didn't directly reach out to the Mandalorians. But I love how they set up all of the, the web here. It's a web. Carson Tava gets the message from Grief. The New Republic doesn't buy in. Carson Tava meets up with Mando. Oh, yeah, that's right. He was in that other season. He owes me one or he let me go once. You know, we go way back, me and him. That made sense for me. And I think that resolved a lot of the problems we just discussed on our mid-season review here on Krypton to Alderaan, where we're like, hey, they're not tying in Coruscant and the Mandalorians. So, yeah, we opened up with Grief, but we know Grief pretty well. We know Navarro. We've seen that this season already. We haven't seen the, you know, X-Wing Rangers yet, but we tied all of that together, I thought, in a pretty neat package. Now, this is episode five in the season. Now we're finally tying stuff together. And you could maybe debate if that is at the speed you want for this season. But I thought they stuck the landing for this one, cutting in between them all and is setting up some cool stuff further down the line. So I was okay mm. with it. And I don't know if I've swayed you yet. Why don't you set me straight? <laughs> no, I need you to set me straight. I do need to be swayed. 
because I wasn't the biggest fan of this episode. It still felt a little disconnected for me, the beginning of this episode. Especially, like you're saying, Grief reaches out to the New Republic, which I get. Maybe he's trying to do things by the book and Din already turned him down. Maybe he doesn't know how to get into, you know, there's all kinds of stuff. But then there's a MacGuffin with R5. How did he find the covert? Oh, because he served with R5 in the rebellion. The whole covert was just fine with keeping this droid that the New Republic can track. That was strange to me. Paz is like, why don't we just kill the ranger? But then not let's destroy the droid because the ranger tracked the droid. So some weird stuff there. It did feel pretty disconnected to me for a little bit. What did you think about seeing Zeb? Speaking of connecting things. Yeah, it was the Leo DiCaprio meme. I paused it and I was going to let it slip. I've mentioned this before with the uh, the Purgle. I let that slip with Robin. But this one, I paused it and I said, Robin, Joey's going to be so stoked. We're going to have to bring this up on the show. <laughs> I didn't recognize the visual right away. But when I heard the voice, I was like, that's familiar, which is awesome. I assume that's the same voice actor. That's mm -hmm. amazing that you can play an animated character that you voiced now in live action, obviously still CG or puppeteered or whatever, or a combo of the two, but still the original voice. Awesome. I think it was a subtle enough thing. And they didn't say like Zeb. They didn't make that too heavy. Just enough. Mm. Just enough Zeb. So I remember you having a very different reaction to like the introduction of Ahsoka Tano in this show. How do you, what do you think is the difference there? Zeb is just hanging out there at the, you know, base. So of course he's talking to the bartender. He's talking to other rebels. Hey, what do you think about this? And Zeb's like, oh, you're gonna, good luck. You're gonna need it because I've been on some missions. He's just another background character. But if you're a canonophile, you're like, sick. That was that guy that I know. And if not, he's just another rebel. He made sense. And he didn't like steamroll the episode and turn it into an episode of Star Wars Rebels. Mm. He was just there to provide some back and forth dialogue with Tiva. Interesting. I was super stoked to see Zeb. I love Rebels. I'm excited to see more of these characters. And he's just the best. I do kind of wish he did a little bit more like maybe when they introduced him in this episode, I was expecting maybe a little bit more like he would go. He and Tiva would go take their X-Wings and go help out, take down the pirates together, everybody meets everybody. It kind of like creates more of a web, as you're saying, of these different series that they're setting up because they're introducing Zeb, who was part of Rebels, and the Ahsoka show is going to be a very like Rebels-heavy show. They're introducing us to these characters that are going to be in this other series in the Mandoverse. I just wish it wasn't, hello, goodbye. I wish it was more interconnected because it just makes me feel like they put Zeb on screen as a little tease. Like you're saying, the casual fan doesn't know who he is. But if they would have like gone to fight the pirates together, joined Mando and fighting the pirates, even the casual fans would have more of a connection to him. The Mandalorians and all of this stuff would have more of a connection to him, which it seems like they're going to need to bring all of them together to fight whatever big bad they're setting up. It just kind of wasn't enough for me. As much as I don't like saying that, like you're saying, there are only three episodes left of the season. So with Ahsoka, which the Jedi was also the fifth episode of season two, we got a whole Ahsoka episode. Maybe we'll get that coming up here with other characters more involved in the Mandalorian world. It just feels a little bit to me like they're trying too hard to shove these shows together. We were talking on our mid-season review about how maybe Mandalorian is feeling a little bit different than it's used to and like shows evolving are fine. But it just like 
feels like they're shoving this Mandoverse together instead of intertwining it. That's just the feeling that I get when stuff like this happens. I agree that like the pacing of some of these drop-ins could be altered to be smoother. But dude, I just, I had so much fun in the episode that I wasn't like, oh, you know what? They underused Zeb. That is such the trap of you having an expectation not being met, unfortunately. And I agree that, you know, if you have a way you think it should go, then that's frustrating. I, I totally understand that. But they set up that the New Republic couldn't get involved. Tava did everything by the book and he was going to stay out. It would have been dope if the Mandalorians had said, well, we don't have enough people. We could use a couple extra fighters to go against the Crosshair ship. Is that what it was? Or Corsair ship. And that would have been cool if Tiva was like, well, I can't bring the whole Republic with me, but maybe I can bring one or two guys. And then Zeb was there. And like you said, it was a one-two mm -hmm. punch of Mandos and the Republic. But that does not work for the plot. The Mandalorians had to liberate Navarro, not the Mandos and some other rogue members of the New Republic. So right. here's a big note that I had that it seems that you're having trouble with is that we have to trust the writers. That's all we can do. We can yeah, re sure. rewrite it. We can have our own headcanon. And I love that so much. But you got to trust them to some degree. And like I said, I think this episode, for me at least, was starting to make sense of those greater tie-ins that we need to develop the universe. And we know that Mandalorian season two and a half and three have not been sticking the landing. They've been like retroactively doing things with Grogu mm -hmm. coming back in Boba Fett. So we know it's been a little messy of a transition, but that's, they're doing it in real time. What we got from the sequel trilogy was stuff that happened in real time very quickly and maybe didn't stick landings. They're just figuring it out as they go. And I think we've got to, one, give the writers some leeway. It's hard. So give them some room to breathe, trust their process, and this will evolve further. A couple of lines I really liked from this that I'm going to guess you didn't like, but I thought were very like Rick and Morty meta lines or very like Last Jedi, Ryan Johnson meta lines of dialogue. Captain Tiva talking to the New Republic guy, the manager or whatever, the bureaucratic dude who's going to sign off on the mission or not. Tiva goes, I don't think this is an isolated episode. And I was like, oh, perfect. He's saying this. This is not, you know, filler plot or whatever. Care about all yeah. these things connecting. These events could all be connected. Wink, wink, audience. Yeah. All of these events, they're not a coincidence. Not the deepest dialogue, but I think those are moments there that are working in the, the pace of the show, but also telling people at home whether or not you like how they're sticking the landing, we're bringing all these things together and get ready. I like how they did it. So it's interesting that you're on such the other side of the fence. I really enjoyed that they made that sort of meta moment, though, of just understand there's X-Wing Rangers, there's a new Republic, there's this cloning stuff going on. Oh, by the way, Moff Gideon, again, with our mid-season review, we had mentioned, like, maybe it would have made sense if they brought Moff Gideon back into the plot line since he was the season finale. They brought that back in. So they're sprinkling all these things in in episode five. Complain about it if you want. Bro, it's going to get awesome. It's going to get better is the thing. I don't think this is going downhill, even though this is like the bumpy patch. Man, I'm going off on the soapbox, but I'm loving this, dude. They're figuring it out. It's going to be awesome. Trust in the writers. The last thing I'll say, this episode had everything, dude. It had X-Wing Rangers. It had politics. It had Moff Gideon. It had Mando lore. It didn't have a lot of Grogu, if you, you were here for that. But this had so much in it. If you couldn't find something to love from it, come on, come on. Yeah. When did we switch roles? 
you and I. It is funny that we're kind of like, one of us becomes the lightning rod, you know? It's one or the other, usually. I guess that's a good balance. But yeah, one of the confusing parts was Teva being like, all of these events are connected. And I was kind of like, why do you think that? But like you said, a very meta moment of being like, this is how things are going to go. Sometimes I don't like telling and not showing. And I don't think they've really shown us that there's any reason for these events to be connected. There's no like little clue. Well, I don't know. Maybe there are. And I haven't noticed the little clues that they're dropping that are bringing all of these plot lines together. I do like the meta-ness. I do have some lines of dialogue here that I really don't like. But another thing to consider is that Star Wars, just existing in that world, there's corny dialogue. It's just kind of part of the world. There is some like maybe corny or cringy stuff that they say sometimes. And that's just the way it works in that universe. However, when Carson Teva shows up on that planet, all of the Mandalorians come out and Din says, how did you find us? Mandalorians pride ourselves on our secrecy. I was like, why are you, why are you making them say these things? Why? It was an eye roll moment. They're showing the two sides of the coin that they like to be in hiding. And the whole point of this episode is that now they're not going to hide anymore. So that's just foreshadowing or something or alliteration or whatever it is. You know, it's the, hey, we're trying to hide here. And by the end of the episode, they're like, you know what? Let's not hide anymore. Yeah. I like that, but I don't think you need to say Mandalorians pride ourselves on secrecy out loud to the whole room. Obviously, they've been hiding the entire three seasons we've known them somewhere. So it's just a little strange. Uh, Did you think anything of Din saying, what are we supposed to do? We don't even have any ships. Well, of course, that would have made sense with TiVo to be like, I have an X-Wing. And we also had a really sick Y-Wing at the beginning of this episode. Like, I'll come with my bombers. You're going to need some bombers. Dude, I didn't think about any of this stuff. You're saying like, how did they get there? Dude, the R5 thing, (laughs) I get like, okay, maybe an issue. No, they rode in Bo-Katan's ship. She called it like, she mentioned, you know, that they would be able to use that. How did they get to the planet where they currently are? Oh, (laughs) dude, these questions, uh, this is the classic, like, I love Star Wars and I'm going to start poking holes in it and finding the flaws. There's going to be flaws. I I just think, I'm looking past it. I'm looking past it. (laughs) Dude, there was so much Mandalorian cool stuff in here. The Western tropes, dude. The space battles, battles on the ground. Why wings? Why wings and Zeb? And you're complaining cool about ships. it, dude. <laughs> okay. There's a balance to be struck here where, like, I think I, I do want to be critical of this stuff because I love it so much and because this episode ended and everyone seemed to enjoy it much more than I did. One of the things that bummed me out so much when this episode ended is I want to love this show so much. And when the episode ended, I felt kind of blah about it. So the real bummer was that I didn't love it as much as I wanted to. And it was like maybe the first real episode of the season with action. Good guys slash not so great guys fighting bad guys action. I want to see more of it. There were a lot with the action sequences I didn't like as much either, but uh, it was a very action-y episode. There were tons of cool ships. I love seeing even the ship that's landing on Navarro in the opening scene that I don't know the name of because I don't know every ship or the stats of every ship or what every iteration of a ship is called. Sorry, listeners. And you call yourself a Star Wars fan. (laughs) Yeah, but it just looked cool. There were a lot of cool visuals this episode including Zeb I mean come on I love 
Zeb, Rebels is one of the best Star Wars shows. Go watch it if you haven't watched it. I don't know where to go from here because I want to talk about Paz's speech when you have to hold the hammer in order to speak, which is another weird thing. I have the talking hammer. I think we need that on this podcast, Joey. (laughs) (laughs) That's another very weird thing. So you were talking about like the plan being to live out in the sun again, which I'm a little confused why if they could have just said that in any point in time and bought a piece of property somewhere they didn't just do. What did you think of Paz's speech? Did that hit you at all? I really liked that Mando was like, hey, this guy grief? We go way back, me and Lando. I got a lot of those kind of vibes. And Mando did his best to sell it. And he knew he's like, I don't know if they're going to buy into it. And I thought Paz was going to stand up and do the typical Paz thing and be overbearing bro about it. And he, he starts off that way. And you think he's going to say like, why did we even let Din back in? He's goofing everything up. And then he's like, you know what, though? He saved my son. And Bo helped save my son. And we're a loyal people. We have to be loyal. Din is loyal to grief, and this is the way. I love that about their culture. Whatever you think about that being a cult, loyalty is an admirable quality when you use it for good. The people of Navarro are being attacked by pirates. That is a good cause, no matter where you stand. And the New Republic can't do anything and basically was abandoning them. Tiva calls grief Din's friend. Your friend's in trouble. Din said that to the clan. The clan said, hey, if he's a friend of Din's, He's a friend of ours. This is the way. I would have gone on the mission with him too, man. I wanted Grogu to be forced choking some pirates in that scene. It was a little weird because Paz seems like he's supposed to be the anti-Din within that culture that they should butt heads, but he saved his son. He had a change of heart. The armorer, which maybe we'll get to, has a change of heart in this episode. Even Bo wants to be part of this tribe now. Everyone is having these conflicting emotions about where they're standing in the world, even the entire culture of the Mandalorians. We're going to come out of the cave and live in the light. And let's find our other Mandalorian brothers and bring them together. And we can be one happy family. And it kind of stems from that scene with Paz. Those little moments are helping to have ripple effects through their whole culture. Maybe it's a little bit weird that you have to be holding a special hammer to have the floor at a meeting, but we kind of also do that same thing in our culture. One person speaks at a time and you have to give them Mm. respect. And in their culture, it's all about loyalty and respect, baby. Paz is paying it back to Din and they go and they rescue Navarro. Now they have attractive land and they can rebuild, dude. It's beautiful, man. There are so many moments in this that I was like, I felt for their culture and I felt for the people of Navarro who we don't even know the people of Navarro, but we know grief. So he's kind of the representation of all of them. And I love that, man. And then especially when grief comes in at the end and they surround all the pirates, you're like, yes, yes, we're all on the same team here. Of course, we find out later that the other Mandalorians might be working with Moff Gideon or something. And who knows what's happening there. But for a brief moment in time, I felt like we were a happy family. So I I love that. Man, I'm sorry I'm steamrolling this episode. But no, I love it. It's much better than anything I have to say. So, but where did you stand? You didn't like the Paz speech? You you were queuing up the question. Yeah, here's the thing. I really liked the end of Paz's speech. What happens is Din gets up with the hammer and gives us the previously on. (laughs) And then Paz gets up and gives us the previously on and then does a 180. Paz didn't need to go into, he's asking us to sacrifice again. 
He could have just gotten up and we would have assumed like you did as soon as he got up that he was going to poo-poo the idea. And then had been like, these two are asking us to take up arms in the name of a brighter future. And we are Mandalorians. We stand with each other. There were a couple of moments in this episode that they also did last episode where they go over the plan twice, which is again really irking me with a 40-minute runtime. This happened in this instance, right? We got the previously on from two characters, and then they all rally together. It was just too forced of a bait and switch there with Paz. I really loved the end of his speech, though. I, I loved the coming together, like you're saying. It makes me believe in their system as much as I don't like the children of the Watch. It makes me believe in the Mandalorians, like, yes, they're loyal. They will fight for each other. But again, it's just another thing in this episode that felt a little too forced for me. Yeah, so it sounds like this episode had a lot of action and not a lot of well-thought-out dialogue, which you seem to appreciate. So there's a disconnect there. And for yes. me, I was writing off the dialogue. You're listening to the dialogue. So yeah. I understand. Yeah, I put a lot of weight. And again, I don't know how to write a thing, right? Like, <laughs> I don't know how to write a thing that people are going to say out loud. It's just kind of hard to hear sometimes, especially when we haven't had, like, we've talked about ad nauseum at this point. The season opens up and we don't have a previously on about how the Grogu returned. But now we have a previously on at the beginning of the episode, and then we have these two characters telling us everything we've seen in the past two seasons to a group that Din says, most of you were there. At that point, it's like, Paz says we're Mandalorians, even the ones who weren't there should, they're all loyal, right? That's their people. So it just was a little too long-winded. It's just taking up too much of the runtime, I think. And then there's great dialogue, like when Mando shows up in the N1 on Navarro, and Karga hails him on the comm. Grief Karga says, take it easy, man. You're outnumbered 10 to 1. And then Mando like, and the ships crash together. And he's like, I like those odds. And Grief Karga's like, I bet you do. I paused the episode. I paused it. And I said, more of that. More dialogue like that. Like, that's perfect. I love that. That's so good. And I think that's a callback to season one with the stormtroopers and... Uh... Right. Them having like gone through an outnumbered fight before and maybe coming out on the winning side of it. But then we have the pirates, which again, like corny di dialogue is a part of Star Wars. But then we have the pirates being like... He's above you. Blast the He's below blast you. The See, that I didn't mind so much. That feels like a very Star Warsy line to me. But when Vane is like, I'm on the N1. Like, everyone is... Bo-Katan hadn't shown up at that point, and the pirate, like, hails back to the ship. I'm on the N1. Y yeah, everyone is. That's what we're doing here. So what if this dialogue thing never gets resolved? That this is the dialogue in this show, because this is going to be the popcorn show of the Mandoverse, right? That the every person can enjoy. We're going to have the dialogue be light. Andor will be heavy, but that's more niche of an audience, perhaps. And Mando will be light, and they never resolve this. Like, is this something that, again, trusting the writers, like, do we just have to understand that's how they're they're going to present the, the dialogue in the show? Maybe we will get desensitized to it. I do not remember it being this way in previous seasons. It is just a little bit hard to listen to, especially when you're watching it. Like I've said before, maybe this is being written for the people who are washing dishes while they're watching the show. Maybe it's just to keep everyone on the same page. But I don't remember it being so obvious in the previous seasons. But Mandalorians are awesome.
One, one more thing I didn't like. I didn't really like the fight in the streets. What did you think about that? Dude, I loved it. I'm going to get so much use out of that footage for, for some <laughs> punk rock music videos. Dude, I told everybody in our season predictions way back when for season three, I want to see more Mandos and gear and guns. And we're getting that. Dude, so cool. And I'm so glad that that scene was for the good of Navarro and not like the Mandalorians attacking grief or something. Because that was in the yeah. preview. You're like, oh, what are they doing? They're destroying the town. No, they're saving the town. So I loved what it stood for. And it was cool to meet a couple more Mandalorians. And some of them are getting taken down. Some of them are taking down the pirates. The armorer is kicking ass. And they're looking up to the armorer. And they're like, the coast is clear. Dude, they're working together. A little bit lame that Bo was like, you will be a tight military unit. Like, didn't we just see them training? We know they're a tight military unit. That's their religion. That's what I'm saying. So that... <laughs> I, the dialogue there, not great. Podcast <laughs> listeners, Joey's head is in his hands. <laughs> oh my. And then she brings them on board and she goes over the plan again, which is exactly what she did last episode when they went after the pterodactyl. I can again refute this though. Yes, dialogue kind of lame when they're in light speed and she's going through the Corsair is a crazy ship with guns and, you know, she's going through the plan and it's kind of lame, but she's leading there. And at the end of the episode, the armorer then gives Bo, like, ultimate power, really. And they're just showing that Bo's becoming the leader there. Dialogue, you didn't like it, but it's it's showing some character development that she's running that mission. And everybody listened to her, and they they won the battle. Put in the uh, Family Guy Star Wars gif there. Yeah, Mom, we, we won the battle. <laughs> I'm confused about the Bo-Katan stuff. Put a pin in that. Uh, yeah, the fight in the streets, I just... Oh, it's, man, just action, I really, it's just action, dude. It's just action. It was action, but they show up, like the Mandalorians show up, they're very competent, they're fighting pirates. And then the the blaster fight in the square lasts for 10 minutes of no one hitting anybody. And we see it from above and blaster bolts are going back and forth. And it's like, it goes on for so long. And then Paz drops in and with his machine gun and takes everybody down. Like Carson Teva said at the beginning of the episode, something just doesn't smell right. Don't you go twisting Carson Teva's words. <laughs> I thought it was a really nice parallel to the, you know, they talked about the scene where they were trying to save Grogu in Mando in the first season. And that fight was all in the dark on Navarro. And this is the polar opposite. They were fighting against grief there. And this time they're fighting for grief and for it's in the, the daylight. Light. Dude, it's beautiful. I don't That's even awesome. want to bleep my statement there. This was really <laughs> excellent Star Wars. It was fun. Yeah. It had a little bit of everything, not without its flaws, but we all know Every Star Wars has its flaws, but it also has so much more to take from it. I gave it some passes. That's the key, man. Give it, give it some passes and you'll enjoy it more. Because I know you love a lot of moments in this, but we're getting yeah, hung up. Yeah, I do. Up. I really, really we're do. We're getting hung up. Yeah. I don't want to get hung up. I do. Maybe I'll take my little sticky notes here and write myself a set like four or five passes per episode. <laughs> that I like have to, five. <laughs> I have to deal out. I want to enjoy it. That's what I'll say. I'm still in, to put it in terms of our last conversation from the mid-season stuff. I'm still in. There's just some stuff I'm getting hung up on here. But it looked incredible. I mean, there's, there's stuff in every Star Wars I get hung up on. As big of a fan as I am, there's lots of stuff in all the movies and, and other stuff that I get hung up on. I do think the mistake that I made, this is the way it works for me on Wednesdays. I watch The Bad Batch over lunch, <laughs> and then I watch Mando at night mm. with a group of people. Mm. And I do think the mistake I made was watching The Bad Batch finale 
before this because I believe that the Bad Batch finale was phenomenal. I'm usually not this blunt with this kind of thing, but I guess this is the episode for me to do that. If you're not watching the animated shows, I think you're really missing out. I I thought the episode was phenomenal, but it also, it kind of raised the bar on that Wednesday for me in terms of Star Wars. So I think that that might have like impacted my opinion of this show, which is also not good, but very hard to separate, Mm. right? You don't necessarily know that it's happening, but you kind of have to go into it being like, that's a separate thing. This is a separate thing. Don't let that influence this. I think that happened to me. That might be why for some of this. Well, and maybe, you know, breaking your heart in that episode and it being a finale, being so complete, and then you're going into this episode and you're expecting it to be on that level and also being like heartbroken. Of course, it's going to impact the way that you perceive it, whether you realize it or not. Okay, so you had mentioned the armorer and bow at the end of the episode and the armor giving Bo all this power. She's allowed to take her helmet off. She's walked both worlds. And I want to ask what you thought of that whole scene and the idea of that. But I want to say first that I really liked the conversation about the Great Forge. It's a little awkward because Bo is like, I've been there many times. And then the armorer goes on to explain it. The air rang with the music of a hundred hammers. Like what an image there. Very Lord of the Ringsy, and also like very Lord of the Rings music, I think, during that scene. I don't know if you noticed that, but I love that conversation. It's also like where it feels like Din is supposed to be getting, not Bo. The Mandalorian, as we've seen it, I think has been Din. Now she's giving that the Great Forge in Mandalore compared to this forge. The thing is, they're both forges, kind of like a Mandalorian is a Mandalorian, no matter what, which is great, very out of character for the armorer. Is that is that where you wanted Din to get? Not necessarily Bo. I do want Din to be the Mandalorian. We met him first. If you're watching this series and only this series, he's the Mandalorian to most people, I would assume. But they've got this interesting situation that she saw the Mythosaur, and that through the legends means more than, I guess, just having the Darksaber. But Bo wants to lead. Din does not right. want to lead. He didn't even want the Darksaber. So... I don't mind that, but it is a little weird that there's a there's something off between those two. What I think might end up happening, Din has this Darksaber, and he might have to be the one to bring the exiled Mandalorians back because they're going to listen to the Darksaber person, whoever that is, and it's not Bo. So they're going to need Din for that potential uniting of all the people. So that might be the kind of happy medium there of, you know, a king and a queen of Mandalore rather than just one one the Mandalore. This is great, dude. The Mandalorian. I'm so in this right now. I've been working on a song about this season of the the show. What does it mean to be a Mandalorian? There's so much to that. And that's what they're asking here. And it's Bo right now that the armorer is entrusting. She led the mission that gave them a new home on Navarro. It was a little weird because you're thinking the armorer is like, I'm this cult leader and I want the power. But she was ceding some of the power there, which is very interesting and Again, she rehashes the Mythosaur thing that like, why didn't you say that last episode then and instead yeah. of now? That's yeah. weird. The armor already said, you know, we shape the Beskar steel like we shape ourselves. So they're inherently, I think they have to be a culture that is able to evolve. That's the same idea. We take the steel and we make armor out of it or we make weapons out of it or whatever it may be. And we can also evolve ourselves. It's freaking beautiful. <laughs> 
some parts uncomfortable, some dialogue, maybe not the best, but what they're getting at here, that they're allowing their culture to expand their worldview for the greater good, I'm in. I hope that's what we're getting because we haven't really seen the armor be receptive to that idea at all. It's confusing. It's a little bit like, okay, well, does she have an evil plan or is she actually like molten Beskar being molded to kind of expanding her views? It's also a little bit like if what you're saying is right and Din has to kind of go by Bo's side to do this, whereas like Bo goes and tries and gets turned away and then Din has to. There's only three episodes left. We've got Moff Gideon. We've got the Mandalorians on Navarro. We've got Bo going out, but then Bo has to come back and get Din. There's only three episodes left. How many seasons of Smallville did we have to sit through to get to some really epic stuff? Well, there's kind of a difference there because in the age of television that it was, and every season was 24 episodes. These are eight episodes of a very well-curated property that serious people are working on, like, serious fanboys, which might have been the same for Smallville. Like you have said with The Bad Batch, it's a 16-episode season or whatever. Smallville was 24. And once they got to, like, season four, they started having big overarching villains and stuff that we faced at the end, which maybe is a little bit of a trope. It's just a little confusing that this didn't happen earlier in the season is all. And then they put so much weight on the Darksaber and trying to train Din on how to use the Darksaber. But now the Darksaber isn't going to be what unites Mandalore, it's Bo without the dark say. The only word I can come up with is confusing. And again, taking up airtime to go over the plan twice, the armor says all this stuff to Bo in the cave, and then they walk out and she says it again. It was another instance of them going over the plan twice that we didn't need to be there for. It was din jarring seeing <laughs> that happen twice. And I was confused. I really do agree that like the armor, her values and the way she expresses them within the children of the watch kind of change. Like, is she a good guy? Is she a bad guy? Is she a cult leader? Or is she just, let's all get along. The dark saber. Is that the thing that reunites us? No, it's whoever saw the mythosaur. There is a little flippity floppity and going around. I think we got to excuse some of it because they've, they've planted a lot of seeds. And if you've ever grown a garden, then not everything hmm. is fruitful. It's tough to watch things fail in real time, give it some some room to breathe. Give it some time. It's all, Dude, it is only season three. I know the eras of television are different and maybe that they need to step it up because you're the most famous franchise in all of yeah. cinema history, but it's still kind of early in the game and we know we're getting more. It's not like this is the end of everything and it's the last episode. There's going to be so much more, like a good garden, trim back some weeds, Trim back a couple of leaves and make some more room for something else to grow through. And you'll still have a plentiful bounty at the end of the season. I think that's what mm. we're going for, man. <laughs> what an analogy. It's like poetry. It's a garden. I'm really looking forward to spring. I need, I need some warm weather and uh, sunshine myself. Yeah. I myself need to get out of my covert and into the, the fields of Navarro. Go live in the lice. Yeah. yeah. Still don't understand why they just didn't do that. Why didn't they just tell everyone that she saw the mythosaur and that that's what gives her the credibility to go and do this? They have that conversation in secret. Why? Because then Paz is like, but she shows her face. And the armor is like, it's okay. I said it's okay. So now that's a conflicting ideology that I thought would remove faith in the armorer based on everything they taught. And Din had to go redeem himself. She wasn't like, you've walked in both worlds, Din. You can unite Mandalore. You have the Darksaber. But with Bo, maybe it's because she's more of a leader, but 
but then they don't tell that covert that she saw the man, uh, the mythosaur. That would be interesting if she was like, here is Bo-Katan who has seen the mighty mythosaur. Here is Din Djarin who wields the mighty Darksaber. And with these powers combined, that- <laughs> Captain Mandalore. <laughs> that would be a really cool scene. And maybe we'll get that, you know? That's the thing. That could be next episode. They need to reiterate this stuff for the people who aren't paying attention. You're paying too much attention because you're a good canonophile. But mm. pay less attention and enjoy the ride. <laughs> Any good content. Pay less. <laughs> All right, I'll start washing the dishes as I listen to this show in the background. And then I'll be like, oh, good. I'm glad they just told me that they're on the N1. Let's end on a little bit of a high note here. What do you say? Well, for me, you've been on a high note this whole time. I've, I've needed some convincing. But what I will say is that the Mandalorians are awesome. I'm very excited to see them united. I hope that it works and I hope we get like a full planet's worth of Mandalorians. This is the first time we've seen them in battle since season one. They're awesome in battle. I'll take a Mandalorian battle scene any day. The armorer says... Bo will bring back our exiled people and we'll live as one. And then she also says, we'll retake Mandalore. So like, hmm, are they going to regroup and then go back to the planet? It's very interesting that Navarro might not be their permanent home, but they'll be out in the light and bring people back there. And then maybe because Bo has seen the Mythosaur, people will believe in going back to Mandalore, the planet. But retaking, no one's there. There's nothing to retake except for the cyborg guy or whatever mutants are there. So that's a little weird. But I'm in for that. I want to see them rehabilitate that planet. Dude, I'm in. I'm so in. I've been in this whole time. You don't have to get me any more in. I'm <laughs> in. It's going to be great. Well, I'm glad you're in. I did really enjoy. There were instances where I was like, oh, Mandalorians are awesome. When they launch out of Bo's ship, and then at some point there's one like riding, surfing on one of the snub fighters, taking it down, which was awesome to see. I'm excited for more Mandalorian action. I'm sorry that I wasn't excited for more of this episode, but we've got three left, so there's still time. All right, listeners, let's keep this conversation going. I want to hear your heated opinions. Don't hold back. So if you're here on YouTube, leave some comments or hit us up wherever you like to social media. Make sure to subscribe for some more coverage on Star Wars series. We're going to have our Bad Batch season finale review coming out very shortly. Thank you for listening to the show today. I have been Royce. I've been Pirate King Gorian Shard. And we've been Krypton, Krypton to Alderaan. Alderaan.